1: Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the -the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish.
2: And welcome to this week's episode. So excited here because we've got three very unique guests on today's show, Keith Edwards, Lisa Baker King, and And Mark Black, each of them bringing completely different perspectives to a conversation that a lot of people often can struggle with. And many of us at one point in our lives or other have experienced the struggle of this concept of work life balance. Are we striving for the unachievable? Are there ways to strike that balance and live in harmony? So that's going to be today's conversation. I want to let you know a little bit about each person you listen to. Keith Edwards, we met each other years ago. I mean, many, many, many years ago. Actually, I believe uh, it was at a university in uh, Virginia, just barely in Virginia, outside D.C., uh, the first time we met at one, after one of my programs. And we just sat down and had a little chat afterwards. And Keith has done incredible work as on a university campus as an educator, administrator, and now is out on his own, doing speaking around the world, sharing his brilliance with universities and organizations. Uh, Lisa, many of you may have heard reference before, because Lisa is the producer of the show, also the director of content and media for the Date Safe Project, and has worked with a vast variety of companies around the world, helping them with marketing perspective. And so she brings that unique perspective Mark and I have not had a chance to work together. So Mark and I know each other from the speaking world because Mark speaks all over the world. Uh, and Mark, can you explain exactly your topic, what people bring you in for?
1: Uh, it, yeah, I call it resilience training. Um, essentially, it's, it's uh, usually inspirational key- opening, closing keynote speech. I tell my, my personal story and, and then share with people the, the strategies that I learned through my personal experience to apply to their business or their life.
2: Awesome. I appreciate that. So thank you very much, Mark. Now, what I want to do is dive right in. If it's okay, Keith, if we can start with you, when you hear work-life balance, what's your reaction? What do you think of? Uh, False. I I don't think it's possible.
3: Right on. Love it. So you and I are very, I like,
2: I like a very different word, but I want to wait to see what you say before I throw that word out there. Instead of balance, I think there's a different word. Uh, So what, what's your view? Why is it false? Why is it mythical? I I think there's
0: two problems with work-life balance. First of all, the math is wrong. Balance equates 50-50, and life doesn't work that way. You don't want half of your anything here and half here all the time. Sometimes it's going to be 70-30. Sometimes it's going to be 20-80. So the math is wrong. We don't want always things in balance. Uh, Two, uh, who would want their work balanced with their life? I mean, that's just a bad part. That's a totally bad bargain. I want, um, you know, my life is what I live and work is a part of that. I don't want my work balanced with that. So it's just it's the wrong things to hold in balance. I, I like uh, integration. Um, or I, I what I like even more is harmony. And I wouldn't call it work life. I would talk about like self, home, community, career, or or just life integration or life harmony.
2: Love it. Well, that's why I paused and didn't say my word, because integration is the one I've used for, for throughout my life. Is saying, do you have integration? How do you integrate? Uh, because then you're not trying to do this equality of this and that. It's just, how do I integrate? You know, How do I make those things work together? And I love the harmony, so I think that's very cool. Mark, it sounded like you were about to add to that.
1: Uh, well, I mean, at the, the risk of not being a fascinating uh, guest, when because I'm not going to disagree with you, um, I think I think I think you, you nailed it, Keith. I think it, part of it is also about recognizing that our lives have seasons, uh, and and every season's a little bit different. So um, you know there may be a period of your life, especially if you're a, a business owner or an entrepreneur, where business and where work takes perhaps what others would consider an inordinate amount of time in your life, and that's okay because that's part of the the Season of that time, just like there are seasons, other seasons in life where you won't be working at all, or you'll be working very little, Uh, and recognizing that that's that's normal, that's part of life, and that that's okay.
2: Yeah, I think that's really critical discussion because for those who own their own businesses or who have owned their own businesses, you don't just suddenly, typically, you don't just get to the place where you get to write your schedules easily day one. That can be difficult unless you've been financially able to save up and create a safety net before you started that business. But if you're doing what a lot of people are doing when they're starting their business, they're struggling to survive. Like they're stepping out without that financial net, safety net, and they've got to do what it takes to survive. And that is a very different season than when your business has been built to a place where you know pretty confidently, okay, I'm going to be okay financially. That's not on my concern radar right now. So now it's a matter of how do I use the time I have? How do I maximize my gifts? And how do I spend more time doing the things I love? That's a great thing to talk about when you have the privilege to be able to, but that's not the case for everyone. Like I know I used to say to people, hey, you know, I only work these days a week and I only do that. And I had to calm that down realizing, okay, because I have the privilege to do that. Not if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to talk that way. Uh, So I think we have to be very aware of, of when you're at what phase, what season, as you referred to. Well, that's just data, that, and it works the same way
1: in your life, right? I mean, so right now, my wife and I are living the season of three kids under ten, which is wonderful, but it's a very busy and and different kind of season than it'll be when they're all in their twenties, right? So I think we got to get out of the headspace of what's right and what's wrong or what's what's normal, quote unquote, and just figure out what what works.
3: Yeah. I think actually, I actually had a, a physical reaction, Mike, when you said, um, you know, hey, Keith, what do you think of when you think of this whole work life balance thing? And the first thing that came to my head was, blah. <laughs> mm. and, and the reason is, I, I, you know, having worked with um, especially a lot of women in corporate America, um, you know, striving to, in their heads, have this balance of raising children and you know, their, their unique paradigm, their filters that they're that they're living in. I actually think that term balance can be really damaging because I've seen so many people strive for this mythical thing and when they're in their minds out of balance, I'm doing air quotes here, they almost need to seek forgiveness and say, you know, it's okay to be where I am right now. I loved it. I think you guys, everybody has mentioned the term harmony. That resonates because I think that just in the natural seasons, like Mark was saying, that we find ourselves in, I can be in harmony if I'm in a season of really needing to focus, really needing to finish a project and, you know, just having those conversations with the people around me. Hey, you know, I'd love to have this weekend off. It's not going to happen. I'm going to be good with this. How are we going to work through this? but I'm going to be okay with and celebrate that I'm in this season right now. And then moving forward, it's, it's going to look a little different. One way I've explained it to people is instead of this teeter-totter, right, that is a balance, to me it's more like a pendulum that, is, that shifts. It goes from left to right, and sometimes it's just perfectly centered. But more often than not, it's swinging to one side or the other.
2: Yeah, I, I love that. And I think one of the problems with when people think work-life is there's this shame and guilt that family must dominate. Yes. yes. And if family doesn't dominate, you're a failure. You have, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what an impact you've made in this world, you fail. And I've mentioned in a recent podcast, I'm reading a book right now called The Upside of Your Dark Side. It talks about that's a very American thing to think that family is everything. So there are many places in the world where somebody say, look, if I have contributed to the world in a massive way in my work, but I'm not the best family person, I can still feel really good about myself because it made an impact in this world. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but America does. America says, no, that's a failure all the way because you failed your family. And if you fail your family, nothing else will matter. That's a common statement in our society. So it creates, and I'm not saying that that's wrong to think my family should come first. I've talked about this my whole career about how important family is, but it creates a guilt complex of "Am I not being good enough for my family all the time?" Yeah, Mike.
1: I, I think you're, you, that guilt thing is the is the bigger part of the issue, right? It's it, it, we we tend to should all over ourselves, right? And and so it, that's the typical version of it. But it can also be the other end where you say, "Yeah, look, I'm spending lots of time with my family, but I'm not, you know, providing for my family the way that I want to because I'm, you know, especially if you're." self-employed and your business isn't doing what you want it to do then then you can have the same kind of feelings of of guilt or shame around the fact that you're not holding up that end of the bargain so and and guilt can be constructive if it's momentary and we learn from it and move on but it can be uh, very damaging as we all know if we kind of hang on to it and, and live in that space for, for too long
3: oh well, I was just going to say that that's an interesting point what you just said there mark about living in that space too long because that's kind of where my head was going is I'm sitting here talking about this pendulum there's been so many times in my life, and I'm sure in your guys' life too, where we're stuck in that season and that pendulum, and we kind of just know it instinctually that we need to move, that, that, is, that it's time to get move from that season. But sometimes that's really hard. So I was just curious what you all do when when you need to do that, when you need to say, hey, regardless of what's stacking up on my desk, I don't have the energy for this anymore. I need to go do something else and, and breaking free. Like, how do you do that? I, I
0: think that the whole notion that it's a teeter-totter, right, The the seesaw, puts this work versus life. And I I think that's a false comparison. Obviously, work is a part of life, but I think there's other parts. And it's not just work, family, because there's self, right? Like, if you don't take care of yourself, if you're not eating, if you're not tending to your spirituality, whatever that may be, if you're not healthy, if you're not exercising, if you don't have alone time to process and reflect, I would be a terrible father. And if all I did was work and be a dad and a husband... I would be awful at both of those things. So I think how do we, how do we, what are the different components of our life that are important to us? And I think that's a question for all of us. I mean, that's different. Stuart Friedman in his book, Total Leadership, breaks it down into self, home, community, and career. I think about it a little different. I'm, I'm looking back now over the past year and thinking about where was myself, my work, my community, and my family. I think that's just maybe reflective of the seasons of, of my life right now. But for me, I find that um, it's not just seasons of my life. I, I do have young kids, as Mark mentioned, so that's very different. Um, and for me, my, my friendships are taking a very far back seat right now because I do want to put my energy into my kids. And um, I'm good with that. I, I'm totally comfortable with that. And, and others might, at different points in their life, want to focus on different things. But also, depending on the day of the week, that changes, depending on... <laughs> The months of the year that, that changes. So I think allowing for that. And, and I, I also think one of the things we don't do a great job of in this culture is we don't value rest. We talk about rest as somehow yes. being easy. Uh-huh. Yes. But the notion of recovery and rest so you can be yourself, uh, your best self. I'm always reminded, you know, when you're on an airplane, they always tell you to put the oxygen mask if you need it over yourself first before you put it on everybody else. But most of us are living our lives taking care of everybody else and not taking care of ourselves at all. And then we end up doing a horrible job taking care of everybody else.
2: Yeah, I think this is really the rest and recovery is huge. And we don't talk about our society. In fact, our society prides, you'll sleep when you're dead. You know, this is a common statement in the world of business and uh, self-entrepreneurs that it's a statement that you use. But when they actually look at world-class athletes, they look at people who are professional athletes, the amount of sleep they get, is off the charts compared to the oh. average human being. They oh. might sleep 10, 12 hours because they know that their body's got to be able to optimally perform. And so you start to think, well, if world-class athletes sleep that much, why don't I sleep that much so I can optimally perform in this world? Why can't And be you? creative and make yes, decisions and right. innovate and think new thoughts. And not be moody right? Cause all that, all those things, add. <laughs> <laughs> all those things add in. We all know that's true, right? When we're running oh, low yeah. on short are running low on sleep, suddenly we're shorter with our loved one who we don't want to be short with. Uh, we don't even like that we're doing that. We catch it, but that's lack of recovery and that rest and saying, it's amazing how much people will spend on entertainment, but they won't on a trainer or they won't on a therapist things that will help their brain or a coach, uh, things that will help their body. Because if, if you feel great about yourself, your ability to be creative is at a whole new level. Your ability to perform, whatever it is, whether it's math or whether it's artistically
3: or logic, is at a completely different level. It goes back to what we're, uh, I, I was Keith or Mark were saying about guilt. We start feeling guilty if we spend time on ourselves, spend money on ourselves.
1: You're right. And and that comes, I think, again, back to the fact that we'd like to position things in these either or, you know, teeter-totter sort of paradigms where in order to do one, we're taking away from the other. And that's just, it's often just not the way it works, right? You can't pour from an empty cup. You can't give um, more energy than you have, uh, more time than you have, more money than you have, et cetera, et cetera. So... Yeah, we need to we need to shift our thinking in terms of the, the self care things. You know, rest obviously is a big part of that. But I, you know, for for me and probably for for the rest of you as well, if I don't if I don't get exercise in at least every other day, I, I suffer physically, and mentally, and emotionally. Oh, yeah, um, it's part of my therapy. I need to get that in. I know if I'm getting cranky, that's part of it. And my work because I like what I do, that's you know that energizes me to do the other parts of the things that I need to do in my day and in my life. So it, it's about Understanding that investment in yourself is not a selfish act. In fact it's the way that you are able to serve the people around you best.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's really true, Mark. And and we have all sorts of research studies that show when people work fewer hours, when they're forced to only work six days a week instead of seven, when they're forced to take one night a week off, their productivity goes up by twenty percent. So so, so oh, cool. work less and get actually get more done and be more thoughtful. And I think so many of us are uh, in what some people call the gray zone, where we're so tired and so depleted that we're not really fully present. We're just kind of going through the motions. And so we're not really fully stressing ourselves and challenging ourselves. So we're not really getting the rest. And then we're just going through this life of not real intense productivity, creative innovation, and also not intense rest, recovery uh, and, and all of that. And I I think it becomes, it becomes really destructive. And so how do we get all of these as we're talking about the language of integration says, you know, at this moment in time, my family is most important. And at this moment in time, this is about me. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to get this massage. This is important to me. And at this moment in time, I just want to give everything I can to my clients. I want to turn all of my resources over. There's a time for that. And How do you let that kind of come and go in the right places at the right time? And for me, that integration is sort of an intellectual way to think about it. But then when I think about harmony, that's when that integration starts to sing and it all flows together in this beautiful way. And that's the thing that sort of has a a very different vision for me.
2: Well, I think it's a great conversation about how do we get to freeing ourselves? Like you said, for instance, Keith, that now's not a time that I'm having a lot of time for friends and I'm okay with that. I think that's the key phrase. I'm okay with that. Like I'm thriving, knowing that that's part of this season where I'm at right now and to not feel guilt over that because whether it's family or it's friends, I was once at a speaker talking to youth and parents and the speaker said, told the story of how their father was on the sideline for every practice of his son's high school career. And his son died young, and he was the greatest father ever because he was at every practice. and this was sort of the message, and I was sitting there going that that's wonderful for him, but that's a horrible guilt complex. Just put on all the parents out there <laughs> who who are, who are thinking, um, I have to work, so should I not work so I can be at every practice and and what the gift that can be, whether it's your children, maybe you don't have children, maybe it's friends, maybe it's family, who get to see you dive. into work during one of those seasons and create something special and realize, Hey, to do something extraordinary, you have to put extraordinary effort into it. And that doesn't mean that other things are less important to me, or I love them any less. It just means that this is the time for that right now. And you, and that should be a
3: wonderful thing to be able to show to the world. When you have those conversations with children, they get it. I mean, they, they really do. They may not like the fact that you're not there every single time but I can think back when I was young, and my mother and father ran their own businesses, and there were many times that they couldn't go to my things or my brother's things, and they would literally say, "Hey, I'm, I'm making a choice here, Lisa. These are the things that go on when you own a business. I can't be there this time, but here's what we will be doing." And we just and I never felt. I think just because she had that dialogue with me, I never felt that I was not getting a piece of her that I should have that I was missing.
0: Yeah. And I, I think what's so key about that is the communication, right?
3: Yeah. Um, mm. I think
0: the, the other part that comes before the communication is make sure that you're making those choices mindfully and consciously mm. and intentionally and not letting whatever be a default setting be what you do. And, you know, don't don't be showing up for the things that don't align with your values or don't fit for you, but be be making those intentionally, consciously. My friends know that I'm not spending as much time with them because I'm focused on having little kids right now. And we find other ways to connect. And many of them are in the same situation. But. I, I wouldn't want to just wake up and be like, I haven't talked to my friends. I've let my relationships die over the past 15 years. Like that's not my values either. So how do you do this with consciousness rather than just letting the external messages or their shoulds come in?
2: I love that key. Cause I think a lot of times, especially as parents, you're having the conversation after you feel guilty, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I wasn't there. Now I need to go talk to them versus having it before. And I agree with you, Lisa, I think having it before I we've talked to our sons cause we have four and they're older now. Our kids are all adults. Uh, but we 've gone through all these stages because we had two different businesses in their lifetimes, and one was a lot on the road and we would talk to them about, hey, for us to be able to make this impact in the world and to share that means I need to go to the world. We really appreciate how much you 're willing to share me with the world you know and and being able to have that conversation and I want you to be able to tell me if you feel like feel like i 'm on the road too much, you know I want us to be able to have these conversations, and it doesn 't mean that they 're going to feel comfortable doing that but you want to at least open the door for that possibility
1: yeah that's so important mike you know if if, assuming that you're not uh living your life completely alone which uh, most of us are in in either relationship or in a family or whatever it is we need to obviously be true to ourselves but it also needs to be a collaborative process right i mean i i actively engage my wife in in kind of holding me in check because i've learned enough about myself to know that i can I can be too intense and I can I can get too focused on work. And um, so we've had very intentional conversations about, hey, like I give you permission, not that she needs it or that she asks for it because she'll do it anyway. Check me on this. Right. When I'm when you catch me you know, working at 10 o'clock at night or when you catch me not being present when when you're all here, you need to call me out and, and help me to be. Uh, accountable for that so that, you know, you have that outside objectivity and, and outside things, uh, voices to help you balance what you're, what you're trying to do.
2: and Keith, that was so cool about yours. You were saying also, Hey, I do that with my, I think that's so important for everyone to think about who am I communicating with that my life choices are impacting that I want them to understand. Right. So I think that's a great question. You brought up Mark, a spouse, a partner or a best friend, whoever that is, Man, if they're not on the journey with you, that's a whole lot rougher. You know, the person that you are going to be sharing most of your time with, are they on the journey with you? Have you painted the vision? And are they part of the, have they helped paint the vision too? All of this helps so that when those seasons change, you're both all in versus, man, I'm all in, but this is a tough battle with this other party, whoever it is, child, parent, you know, spouse, best friend you hang out with. How do we paint the vision so that? There's not this theory because they could have the theory that work life balance right oh. so how, how do you have that discussion so that they understand why well, I view it differently? I view it as the seasons and harmony, and I want us to be in harmony, so how do you do that with someone who th- views it as balance I, that's a question i 'm asking if, so our listeners can gain a skill set here, yeah, you get the idea of harmony and ba- uh, harmony and integration. But what about those around you who think balance?
3: I'm just kind of laughing because I kind of had that conversation in a roundabout way with a friend of mine a while back. And, you know, she was talking about that. You know, she has young children and and struggling with work-life balance. And how do, you, how do you go about that? I just told her my thoughts on it. I was just like, I I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. I think it's dangerous. I think it's, in, it's impossible. You might want to try framing that conversation with yourself a little bit differently and not beating yourself up because that's what was happening. I mean, she was truly beating herself up. She wasn't good enough at work. She wasn't a good enough spouse. She wasn't a good enough mother. You know, all of those things. I don't know. I haven't followed up with that you know, had any impact, but I think it's just about giving them, opening the door and giving them, other people, the ability to question whether or not there might be a different perspective out there.
0: Yeah, I think there's other perspectives. I I, know Lisa's pointing to gender, which I think is for sure different, but I also think this is very different generationally. I mean, I started by saying, I think we're like balanced I've heard that from people who are 60 or 65, and what they mean by work-life balance is nonsense is you should be dedicated to work. And right. if you're not to work nights and weekends and sell out, then you're not really committed to this. And we pay a salary, so don't count your hours. So that's a very different perspective. Uh yeah. and I think, you know, people who are 25 years old, what they think about in terms of integration or harmony or work-life balance, I think is very different. And so I, I think it's different when you don't have kids. It's different when you don't have commitments. It's different when you're new to a place and you don't have all those connections. It's different if you're not taking care of yourself. It's different if you're an entrepreneur. It's different if you're salaried. It's different if you work by the hour. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's lots. brilliant.
2: And I think it's different on if you're a creative versus a logic. I think these yeah. all play in differently. I know a, a 22-year-old who's die hard. He knows that his industry, he will work 12-hour, 14-hour days, and he loves it. And he's like, that's, that's, that's the equation. And I love it. So I'm like, well, if you love it, that's your call, right? So, But what would happen is other people would go, well, are you sure you want to be in that? In-? And it drives him nuts when people do this. You Do you know the hours in that industry? you sure you want to do that? And he's like, that's why I love this. I love 12-hour days. I love the chaos. I love this. I love that. But people want to fight him down from that. It's interesting to watch. Hmm. And, and it's like, hmm. That's so intriguing uh, versus allowing each person to be in their space
3: and define it for themselves.
2: Yeah, absolutely. and that's the,
1: and that's the danger with with applying any kind of model you know we there's obviously and, and we're all sort of in, in in an industry where we we try and share models and, and strategies with people. Um, but we have to always be cognizant that those models need to be customized to the individual, person into their life into their priorities into their values into et cetera, et cetera. as Keith was saying it's different for it's different for it's different for so um, yes take best practices and yes take ideas from other people but but make them your own so that it works for you because what works for you is not going to work for the person down the street or next door so you know my my wife was really helpful for me when I was going through this this phase of of really intense business time and 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 was not really necessarily seeing results and was in that space of guilt a lot because I felt, I felt guilty at, at work because I wasn't producing at the level I wanted to. Then I felt guilty at home because I was working so hard for the business. And I would come to her and say, look, like if you want me to just get a real job and work nine to five and be like a normal person, then I, that, that's what I'll do. And she shared with me, gave me this wonderful permission that she said, if you did that, you'd be miserable. And, yeah, you'd be here more, but you'd be miserable while you were here. So why do I want you to do that? And that was a really powerful insight for me that, again, what works for me may not work for you and vice versa.
0: Well, I know, I'll even take that a step further. Not only is it different for each person, which I think is totally true, but it's, it's different for us along the time. I mean, when I work hmm. with my coaching clients, uh, work, this, this notion of integration is different. And now I became a college president, and now it's different. And now I just found out we 're having a baby i didn 't see that coming now it 's different and now I just found out I had a heart attack, and now it looks different right mm-hmm. so so even not only with between people but also within us, it, it changes over time, not only with the seasons but the circumstances um, and so as I work with my coaching clients, they are always constantly renegotiating what this integration and how this all fits together for them. Um, go through a divorce it 's all it 's going to be totally different you know you 're in a new exciting relationship it 's totally different you 're starting your own business it 's totally different
2: yeah and and I love that and I think a key concept when you 're going through these seasons is are you willing to find out i th- I think the the guilt can create blocks that we 're not willing to find out and here 's what I mean by that earlier, Keith, you had brought up the level of productivity with less hours or less days. Which is a hundred percent correct. There, I mean, that you brought it up. There's so much research behind that, but people are are afraid to find out. And what I mean by that is, they think if I don't work eight hours a day, I will be less successful. And they're afraid to find out what happened if I slept for two more hours and worked six hours. They're afraid to find out. What just find out? And that doesn't mean for a day. That means you need to do it a long enough time for the body to actually be able to adjust to that. And be operating at that level. And that could take weeks, if not months sometimes. Are you willing to find out and give yourself that gift? I, I think the only way
0: you can find out is when you go too far. Like, how, you don't know <laughs> when enough sleep is until you find out, that's too much for me. Now, you don't know what the right amount of time for you to meditate is until you've meditated too long and realized, ah, that's too far. Or have you found a place in your life where you're like, I'm working out too much. I need to back, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to, one of the things I'm often challenging my coaching clients is whatever they want, find what too much is and then
2: come back. I love that because that gives people the freedom to go. Because most people are like, well, what if it feels? We'll find out. Go too far. Let's see what happens, right? right. I, I love the idea of that. I think that's brilliant, Keith. What would too far be? And have you, let's see you get there. What would it take to get there? Right. And I have found, especially with travel and being on the road five days in a row, when I take four days off now, I'm like, that's what I need. Not like, oh, that'd be nice. Nope. I'm like, that's what I need. And Lisa works on our team knows this. We know this about me. That's what I need versus the old thought was, well, that would be nice. Right. And the reason I know that is because I've gotten to the point where, and I've never got to the point where that's gotten too far because that's called vacation and i love that too so um uh but but that idea of pushing those boundaries right uh i think it i think that's a great statement i love it keith well
1: and it, and it points back to the whole concept right of of that's kind of what balance i think really really is about it's not um uh, it's not about everything being equal um it's about making sure that we're not too far tipped in one direction or another so that we're off kilter and things aren't working
2: this has been an incredible conversation. What do, do each of you have a book that helped you along the journey of that work-life harmony integration? Uh, actually, for, for me, it's the Bible.
1: So that's so interesting because mine, I was going to say, mine is Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren, um, which has nothing to do with time management, but everything to do with, with what your core values are. And that drives how you use your time and keeps things in balance.
2: Love it. Keith? Uh, I'll go in
0: a very different direction. The book Essentialism by B- Greg McCowan is about mm. setting priorities, uh, doing. How can you do less so that you can be more? And how do you how do you set those decisions to set aside time to make sure that your life is really on purpose?
2: And what's cool about that book is it's a quick read. Right, mm, it's, it's a yeah. very quick, easy read that you can apply to your life instantly. Uh, purpose-driven life is similar to that way as far as it's meant to implement. Uh, and so, yeah. and people, and many people would argue spiritual books, as Lisa's bringing up, whatever their spiritual guidance book would be, is meant to implement in your life, right? So, all these books are meant to do that, which is really powerful. I want to thank each of you for joining me today. For anyone listening right now, you've been listening to Keith Edwards, Lisa Baker King, and Mark Black. We'll have all their contact information on our website in the show notes so you can get a hold of them. I want to thank each of you for sharing your brilliance with us today. And for everyone listening, may you make today and every day a bit of mindfulness and enjoy that mindfulness in your everyday life. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you
1: have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful
0: week.